Hey, beautiful soul. You're listening to the Rising Into Mindful Motherhood podcast, your weekly dose of fertility wisdom. I'm your host, Dr. Katie Wood. I'm a barefoot mama bear, pharmacist, and integrative fertility coach. This is your go-to podcast for all things to naturally nourish your fertility, embody womb healing, and reclaim your feminine power to accelerate your path to pregnancy. My expert guests and I will be having intentional conversations to discuss the many facets of a thriving, fertile foundation, natural wellness, and how we grow and transform as women on our journey to motherhood. So let's dive in, shall we? Hello and welcome to Rising Into Mindful Motherhood. Today I'll be talking with Dr. Lauren Brown. He is a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine, a clinical hypnotherapist, and really recognized as a pioneer in the field of fertility and reproductive health. He's the clinical director of AccuBalance Wellness Center, which is located in Vancouver, Canada, and has really dedicated his career to helping individuals and couples achieve their dreams of parenthood. He's an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to supporting fertility. And today we're really going to dive into how, how you can get pregnant better and also faster. So I'm all about that. Uh, welcome, Dr. Lauren. It's such a pleasure to have you on today. Hey, Dr. Katie, I'm glad to be on here. I've been listening to your podcast, so I'm, I'm honored to be one of your guests. Well, thank you. So I always love to start by touching on a little bit about you, your background, we can touch on your amazing years of experience that you have under your belt and how supporting fertility ended up becoming a passion of yours. Sure. Well, you know, I used to be a CPA, so, you know, professional accountant and I had health issues Wow. and I got into Chinese medicine because that's what changed my life. All my mm -hmm. digestive issues and chronic fatigue and candida, call it all that stuff back in the day. That was back in the, um, the 90s. Um, and then I, I went back to school and studied, became a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine. I've been in practice since 2000. And around 2001, 2002, um, somebody came to me with fertility challenges. They had been traveling from Vancouver to Houston to see Dr. Randine Lewis, who wrote the book, The Infertility Cure, a Chinese medicine doctor, who ended up becoming my mentor because she told um, the woman that was seeing her that it's not um, practical to coming to Houston once a week from Vancouver for acupuncture. You need to find somebody locally. And and I was the person she picked. And um, and I was a young practitioner then, and Randine mentored me. And um, I always loved, from the Western perspective, the hormonal system, and then how Chinese medicine addressed hormonal health and fertility. And women talk, and uh, especially in the fertility circle. And next thing you know, I can't see anybody but fertility. So I dedicated my practice to reproductive health. I went on to train in clinical hypnotherapy. Um, I've done some functional medicine training, um, training in low-level laser therapy. And, um, and here we are today where I have the AccuBalance Wellness Center in Vancouver. We were the first clinic to set up, we actually set up the IVF acupuncture onsite in Vancouver, BC at the IVF clinic. So we're the ones that got it started. It wasn't a friendly invitation either back in 2002, just so you know, now all the clinics pretty much do it. But in 2002, it wasn't a friendly welcome, but we persevered and now we do integration and we're on site for IVF acupuncture at the largest clinic here in Vancouver. 
Wow. That is quite the shift from CPA <laughs> to like a fertility expert, really. That's amazing. I love that. You know, I bring it into my practice because, you know, we do a fertility audit. So we really like to do comprehensive testing beyond what we do from conventional testing. And so that audit, that auditor background has helped us in our clinic because most people that come see us say, I want to leave no stone unturned. Like, why am I not getting pregnant? What else can we do? And rather than just being put into an IVF cycle or being told to do donor eggs, a lot of them are saying, come on, there must be something we can we can see that mm -hmm. may be causing the issue. And so that CPA side of me does come into our practice. And this is the kind of health audit that people do like to have because they do want to know what could be going on. And so we do the conventional testing as well as the naturopathic functional medicine testing to see where these imbalances are. That's great. What a good transferable skill that you could have and, and bring into your practice. That's amazing. So when it comes to getting pregnant better and faster, like how does that break down? What does that look like? You know, that quote comes from a reproductive endocrinologist that was speaking at the Integrated Fertility Symposium that I chaired. chaired. And it was Dr. Paul Magarelli, and he said, um, together we're good, together as in the IVF clinics and the naturopath and acupuncturist, we're good at helping people get pregnant better and faster. And mm -hmm. he was on a panel and he pointed to the naturopath and acupuncturist on his panel saying, you help people get pregnant better. And then he pointed to himself mm -hmm. and the reproductive urologist and the other reproductive endocrinologist and says, we help people get pregnant um, faster. And what he meant is all the stuff we do with diet and lifestyle, acupuncture herbs, low-level laser therapy, mind-body, all that has an epigenetic impact on, the, on, on, on your body, on the cell, meaning that the health blueprint of your future child is being um, influenced on what you're doing the months, not just after pregnancy, but the months leading up to conception and then during that preg pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And so all the stuff that we're doing to support and optimize fertility, as I say, to help you get to peak fertility potential, that has an epigenetic impact. So that's where he says we help people get pregnant better. And then when he meant faster is, well, when you do IVF, we take egg, we take sperm, we know we have an embryo and we put it in the uterus so we can help get there faster because we can bypass so many obstacles by placing a, and if it's tested, a normal embryo, chromosomally normal embryo into a uterus. Mm -hmm. So together, we can help people get pregnant better and faster. And one of the reproductive endocrinologists that I often do talks with, she used the term like, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Loosely, she used it saying that if you do an IVF and the egg quality is poor, the sperm quality is really poor, then it's unlikely you're going to get pregnant because we need to have good building blocks. So we also help get pregnant faster if we're able to optimize the egg and sperm cell, therefore the embryo quality, and of course, uterine receptivity, because we see so many go through IVF where they have tested normal, chromosomally normal embryos, and they still don't implant. And so uterine receptivity is also an important part of this equation. And what I like to share is our approach is healthy, the healthy baby approach, because that's our goal. It's our goal is not just to get pregnant. Our goal is to have a healthy baby. And I know I, listening and reading your material, that's our goal. We want a healthy baby. And that comes from healthy egg plus healthy sperm plus healthy uterine environment. And so our goal is, can we help you reach your peak fertility potential at the time of conception? So the egg at its peak fertility potential, the sperm at its peak fertility potential, 
at the time of conception, whether that's natural or through an IVF. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And for anyone who's listening, maybe they've heard this word thrown around before, but they might not understand the meaning. Like, what is epigenetics? Well, we have our genes, but we're not. We're, our health is not our genes. There's a small percentage of genes that determine your health. Most of them are based on lifestyle, diet, and your environment. So genes are getting turned on and off. So the epigenetics are the turning on and off genes. And so through certain dietary lifestyle, so how you sleep, how you eat, how you exercise, your community, all these things, the environment is influencing whether genes get turned on or off for disease or for longevity and health. And so if you're constantly stressed, these stress hormones lead to chronic systemic inflammation that leads to accelerated biological aging. We don't want that when it comes to reproductive health. We want to be as biologically young as possible, right? Mm-hmm. When you're chronically stressed, we have blood being diverted from the reproductive system and we have these stress hormones, right? Cortisol and adrenaline and other stress hormones, which in short bursts can save your lives are important. But if they're a constant throughout your day on a daily basis, weekly, monthly, they're turning on disease processes. Mm-hmm. Just like if you're in joy and you're in free flow and you're in trust and you've got movement, you're going out with friends, you're enjoying your friends, and you got serotonin and oxytocin and dopamine being released, well, they're going to turn on and off genes that are going to connect to longevity and also um, better reproductive health. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And a question that just popped up in my mind, and I'd love to hear your take on this, is our biological age versus chronological age. So let's, you know, talking about women who are over 35, maybe even over 40, when they're able to, you know, support that healthy egg quality in terms of like epigenetics, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, let's talk about the biological age. And I use the term um, inflammation. And there's an actual um, terminology terminology where they call it inflammaging. And so mm-hmm. if you have this chronic systemic inflammation, it leads to accelerated biological aging, which leads to degenerative diseases. And I say premature fertility decline. So a lot of these diseases, joint pain and cardiovascular disease, which we thought were always age-related, are really lifestyle related and by and so they've become um, older biologically than they are chronologically and so mm-hmm. i'll give you an example woman came to us um, 40 after an unsuccessful ivf she didn't respond well um, and uh, she came to us she had constipation she mm. was really cold and fatigued severe menstrual pain and um, you know, based on her hormone profile, even though she was chronologically 40 and how she responded in the IVF, she was like a 47-year-old um, biologically, where chronologically she was 40. Mm-hmm. Over a three-month, three to four-month period, she was also overweight. Without counting calorie, following our Acubalance fertility diet, she lost over 20 pounds. Um, she was no longer constipated. She was no longer cold. And her menstrual pain had diminished greatly from like a nine out of 10 to like a one out of 10, no longer needing medication. Mm -hmm. And then she went in. So now she was biologically more like a 40 year old versus a 47 year old, even though she was chronologically 40. And she did another IVF because her clinic said, Hey, you're only getting older, but she was only getting older chronologically. Um, 
she went in and that cycle gave her twins, right? For that um, IVF cycle. Oh my and gosh. when I share this, just to put this into realistic terms, I'm not saying I can take a chronologically 40 year uh, young woman and make her 30 biologically. We can get you to your chronological age. So if you come at 40 and you're biologically 48, you can become biologically 40. And we know 40 year old women can have babies. But if you come chronologically 55, the best we're going to get you biologically is 55, and that's outside the reproductive span for humans at this point in time. Mm -hmm. I think the oldest person to conceive naturally was maybe 52 that had a live birth. Wow. Um, right? I think that's the oldest. So, And even in Chinese medicine, there is a reproductive window, um, yeah. which ends around 49 plus or minus a few years. Mm -hmm. So um, we're always looking at where are you kind of, biologically and so we look at you know what's your sleep like what's your skin like what's your bowels like what's your energy like obviously hormonal profiles um and we can you know we, we work up the people we see so we can see their amh hormones or fsh um, their estradiols or lh um, we'll look at their blood sugar levels but we also look at just physically what how are they, how are their bodies responding and mm -hmm. so if you have diarrhea or constipation, if you have insomnia, if you're chronically cold or really hot, these are all things that we're looking at, you know, um, what's happening with the blood flow, the circulation. These are all things giving us indication of what kind of health are you expressing. And mm -hmm. so going back to your, hopefully I answered your question of biological age, yeah. um, but there are things that people can do. And um, Dr. Kara Fitzgerald, who's a naturopathic doctor, wrote a book called Younger You. And within an eight-week period, they were able to reverse people's biological age, and they were following what we call the AccuBalance approach to peak fertility, where they looked at the gut microbiome, they looked at um, movement and diet, and they looked at community. And mm -hmm. these things dramatically improved certain markers of joint pain, hand grip, cholesterol level, blood sugars, they could, you know, they can measure things. There was subjective and objective things that they could measure to see a change in just eight weeks. And so there's a lot of things that we can do um, to optimize our health, um, which, optim which can optimize our fertility. Mm -hmm. I love that, especially because you were saying she has constipation, which I feel like is really common these days, is we're just extremely constipated for many different reasons. Yeah. And I think that gut health seems to really go under the radar, at least in Western medicine. It's just kind of dismissed. But gut health is so important when it comes to our fertility, managing the inflammation in our body. There's just such a great connection with our immune system, reproduction, so many things. Oh, the microbiome is is a hot topic and it can affect your mood. It can affect yeah. your skin. It can affect your reproductive health. And I was just at the Canadian Fertility Andrology Society in Toronto in September of 2023. And um, in it, there was uh, one of the uh, presentations um, talked about the uterine microbiome and how it can impact implantation failure. And then mm -hmm. they went on to say, but it's not just that, the, the vaginal microbiome and the gut microbiome, it's systemic, it can be impacting everything. Mm -hmm. And the conclusion was that all this can impact egg quality, and uterine receptivity and we need to develop drugs to address this what mm -hmm. i thought was interesting is naturopathic physicians and chinese medicine doctors have been looking at the microbiome for 
a long time and have a way to address it through certain herbs and supplements and diet lifestyle because there's many things that can affect your microbiome, including stress, by the way, right? And your environment, whether you're breastfed or not, where you were born, the chemicals in your environment. So many things can impact it. So it is a holistic, comprehensive approach to address it. And we can test now the gut microbiome to see what kind of imbalances you have. And mm -hmm. so we, we, we do use, we do address that in our approach because so many people have their microbiome out of balance and it can impact so many areas of your health and well-being. And, you know, our goal is people coming to us because they want to get pregnant, but we know a healthy body becomes a fertile body as well. And so we are looking at all areas. We want them to have good mental health and mood. We want them to be able to sleep deeply and restoratively. We want them to have comfortable body temperature so they're not having these cold hands and feet or feeling cold all the time. We want clear skin, um, good hair, good strong nails. We're looking at all these things that show us wellness and vitality in the body um, because that's how we're going to, again, get you to peak fertility potential. I'd love, Katie, if it's okay to share kind of like this metaphor from a Chinese medicine perspective that kind of makes sense when you think about how we treat our plants, for example. And mm -hmm. there's an expression in Chinese medicine that's, that's connected to fertility that says, nourish the soil before you plant the seed. Mm -hmm. And the soil here is kind of like analogy for our cellular environment. But if you take a plant that you've neglected, um, rather than tossing it, oftentimes we just add water, fertilizer, we may have to pull some weeds, and this plant will go on to regain its vigor and give off fruits and flowers. But we didn't do donor roots, right? We didn't do anything to the roots. The plant always had the potential to give off fruits and flowers, but because its soil was suboptimal, it wasn't reaching its peak potential. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the same thing for the egg and sperm cell. The environment that it's in, the cellular environment may be suboptimal, poor blood flow, too many um, poor detox pathways or too many chemicals, toxins, endocrine disruptors, inflammation, oxidative stress. Um, these are things on um, poor nutrition, my, the mitochondria, the battery cells could be uh, damaged. All these things on a cellular level will prevent the egg cell or the sperm cell from reaching their peak fertility potential. And by doing things to increase blood flow, um, by doing things to um, improve mitochondrial function, to regulate the hormones, so, you know, the soil, if the pH is off, so think of hormonal imbalances. <clears throat> if the soil is depleted of nutrients, there's your nutritional deficiencies. If there's inflammation, oxidative stress, the soil's microbiome's off, all these things will affect this, the plant. And so if we address the soil, the cellular environment, then the cell can reach its peak potential and hopefully give off, um, give off a child. Mm -hmm. And how we address the soil then from the human perspective is really simple. How do we address the soil, the mitochondria health? How do we address blood flow and circulation to the reproductive system, hormones, nutritional deficiencies, inflammation, oxidative stress in the gut and uterine microbiome? It's simple, through diet, mm -hmm. through lifestyle, which is movement, rest, sleep, through purposely eliciting a relaxation response, meditation, having community. So these are things that we can do that will support that. And then we can add acupuncture. We can add low-level laser therapy. There's Chinese herbal medicine. There's certain supplements. Um, some, our clinic does nutritional IV therapy. There's even more testing to see what's wrong with your soil, right? What's out of balance. So that is how we address the soil, nourish the soil before you plant the seed. And so we know it's about 100 days of follicular genesis. So when you ovulate or to go through an IVF, 
it's about one year of recruitment that those follicles are in before they are chosen to be ovulated or picked up in an IVF. But it seems like the last hundred days, that's why so many people say three months, it's really three and a half to four months, hundred days. That's when those follicles really grow, download their FSH receptor sites. That's where they get their blood flow and they really grow and can be impacted. That's mm -hmm. when they're really being impacted by their soil, by their environment. And so, so many people I hear they're smokers, they're not eating well, living well, and they get their period and they're, and they're like, now for the next two weeks, I'm going to be really healthy. Well, that's only 14 days out of a hundred. So really to impact to that peak fertility is what have you done a hundred days before that? Yeah. And that's how we're impacting the epigenetics as well. Those hundred days before and sperm is about 70 to 90 days for the spermogenesis. However, um, I have on our website where I've interviewed a few times, uh, reproductive urologist, Dr. Paul mm -hmm. Turek. And he said, although theoretically within three months, if we do, we do something like a varicocele repair where we know it's repaired in that moment, Yep. we would expect to see the change in sperm quality count and quality within three three months mm -hmm. right? but he says often it takes six months but we don't know why because spermogenesis is three months so mm -hmm. that's also when you if you have male factor it's that three to six month period sometimes to see a significant change yeah i love that metaphor it's beautiful i had to use or i saw an acupuncturist did some Chinese herbs, lots of gua sha and moxie on my fertility journey. And I was pregnant, you know, everyone's journey is different, but within three months of working with this practitioner. So I totally resonate with that metaphor of really nourishing that soil. And ironically, like what you were saying is really getting that blood flow back to the reproductive organs. That was a big issue that I had was a lot of blood stagnation because I had been on birth control for 13 years prior to trying to get pregnant. So we think that that was a big cause of what was going on and probably obviously other factors as well. So I, I can definitely resonate with that. And, um, you know, that 100 day period for sure, that's really, really a pivotal period of time where it is important to be able to stay on track. And sometimes people do need support um, you know, from people like you and your practice or people like me just to keep them on track instead of like you were saying, oh, I'm in my follicular phase. This is when I really need to dial in on my diet or whatever it may be. Um, it is, you know, much more of a longer time period that you kind of have to do that. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about the blood stagnation. I just wanted to talk on that. In Chinese medicine, when we look at the menstrual cycle from the West, if you have pain with your period or if you have clotting with your menstruation, often your doctor may say that's normal. Normal doesn't mean healthy. Normal just means a lot of people have it and you're not going to die from it. <laughs> um, in Chinese medicine, clotting, PMS, and painful periods is considered not a healthy cycle. So we like to see healthy cycle where again, we're looking for peak fertility potential and we want to get you to that level of vitality and health. And so we call that like, could be a form of blood stagnation or blood stasis because we're seeing a poor microcirculation. And when we're doing the hundred days of treatment or treating, some people respond, some people don't. Like we would expect you in that period of treatment in the first month and over those one to three months of treatment that your clotting diminishes or is gone that your um, PMS is diminished or gone, that pain with your period is diminished and gone. And we can't promise everybody's going to get pregnant. However, we feel pretty confident that most people we see over three cycles 
will have an incredible improvement in their premenstrual symptoms, in their menstrual pain, in their clotting, in irregular blood flow. Dosaging matters. So I do see people, because our clinic's well-known, I've been around for 20 plus years, we'll see people that come to us that have gone to other acupuncturists and uh, the difference, because they're doing sometimes very similar how I would treat with the acupuncture, but they were going every other week or once a month for, for acupuncture. Mm. Dosage matters. And most of the research shows twice a week to get the most wow. benefit mm-hmm. um, or, or more. In China, they do it like daily, right? With a little bit of a break. And so you kind of want to get the momentum going. And at the beginning, you may not have to do twice a week for three months, but definitely for a cycle, if I'm letting your listeners know, it's kind of like, it's like you go, you say you have high cholesterol and you're overweight and you've heard the research says that exercise can reduce cholesterol levels and, and help you lose weight. So you work out once a week versus twice a week versus three times a week. You're going to get different benefit based on the dosaging, the frequency of treatment, or you want to get an A plus on your exam. You study once a week versus twice a week versus three times a week. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the Richter scale. When we look at earthquakes, um, a Richter scale of four to five is not one, it's a multiple of like 10. So when you go from acupuncture once a week to, twi- to twice a week, it's not that you double it, it's exponential, the benefit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if somebody has endometriosis or PCOS, like when we see PCOS, we'll see them three or four times a week. Wow. Um, and and I'll sh- and I can I share a story because this just reminded me of PCOS and absolutely. Dosing, but just to go into PCOS in this holistic approach, so she came to us because she wanted to help with uterine receptivity. She had PCOS. She has does not menstruate on her own. She doesn't even menstruate when she does some of the ovulation drugs, letrozole or Clomid. Um, and when they get her bleeds, it would often be with the progesterone withdrawal. So she did IVF and she um, did a transfer that was negative and then she did a transfer that was a chemical pregnancy mm-hmm. so she heard about us and came to us to help with uterine receptivity and i shared our approach of nourishing the soul before you plant the seed and if we're able to balance her hormones because she had high androgens blood sugars were off she was overweight she had hirsutism, um, she had depression um, lots of digestive and bloating issues and I said, if we're able to balance your hormones, which will help with uterine receptivity, because if you have high androgens, it's not great for uterine receptivity um, in the uterine environment, um, then theoretically, you could start ovulating again because we balance the hormones. Mm-hmm. And we've seen this. So can you give us a minimum of three months to six months? Because that's what we see with PCOS, especially stubborn PCOS, like people that don't respond well to medication, even ovulation drugs. And over a three-month period... Um, she, again, this is similar to the other patient we saw, lost 20 pounds following our diet. She did the laser therapy. She did acupuncture four times a week with low-level laser therapy. Oh. She did the supplements. She did Chinese herbs. Her, she said her hirsutism had diminished. Um, her acne had cleared up because she also had acne. She lost weight. Her mood improved. Her digestion improved. And she was wondering how much longer she should do this before doing her IVF cycle, um, another transfer. And I was thinking that here we've seen such good response and she was wondering whether it was working. And I, I, going back to our analogy of nourishing the soil, it's kind of like you cultivate the soil, you compost the soil before you plant the seed and then you plant a seed. I'm talking literally gardening here now, guys, when you plant the seed and the next day you come out, you don't see a plant. And the next day you come out, you don't see a plant. You're like, I don't think it's working. And, but you keep watering because somebody said to keep watering. You keep pulling weeds, maybe add fertilizer. A week goes by, you still see nothing. 
But underneath the soil, amazing things are happening. The seed starts mm -hmm. to sprout. And against incredible weight of the dirt, zero light, um, it starts to sprout and go up. Um, and then eventually it sprouts. So in her case, it wasn't even under the dirt. It was above the dirt. She, ha she had sprouts. She just didn't have fruits or flowers yet. Mm -hmm. So I encouraged her because we saw so many great changes um, with her skin, her weight, her mood, her digestion, her hirsutism, to give us another month um, and then go into her frozen transfer. Because I feel like we, we've had some balance. And why? Remember that 300 days? It's not just treatment for 100 days. I wanted her cellular environment to be bathed in the balanced hormones for three months. So I wanted her cells to have low androgen levels for three months. So I just wanted her to have another month in that good environment. And lo and behold, she ovulated and conceived naturally and she had a baby girl. Mm -hmm. So just showing you the nourish in the soil idea. And that, that was, it made me think of that case because she came four times a week in order for us to help correct her hormonal imbalance that mm -hmm. she had. Um, again, we, without using medication. So she had gone through an IVF, unsuccessful transfer, chemical pregnancy, and then rather than having to go into her next frozen, um, she was able to conceive naturally. And again, our goal is healthy baby. So whether that happens in the bedroom or in the lab, we want healthy baby. And so in her case, the only concern I had, which I didn't express it um, so much, is that embryo that she made was made in that um, less optimal hormonal environment because she had the, she had, she didn't have the progesterone estrogen balance because she doesn't ovulate. She had the high androgens. She evidenced by blood tests, acne, hirsutism. She was overweight, um, mood. So all these microbiome we could tell were probably off. Mm. And, and so that embryo was made in that environment as well. So not just uterine receptivity. And in this case, that egg that got ovulated was in a nice environment over a three month period. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And I think it just has so much hope for women who do have PCOS or maybe even endometriosis. Cause I think a lot of times, at least in America, I, I can't really speak for Canada, like conventional doctors, Western medicine doctors are just like, like I'm working with a woman who has PCOS right now. They pretty much denied that she even had PCOS, even though her androgens were high, her FSH and LH were off. And they just said meds like this is this is what your option is without, you know, really nourishing that soil. And that breaks my heart because then, of course, if they do move forward with it, they might not have those results. Right. Because they weren't nourishing that soil to begin with. So Absolutely. for her to be able to conceive in what it was like a three to four month period that she was working with you. Yeah. For, it took about I, before five months. She was pregnant naturally. But, yeah. but she worked hard and she came in a lot. But, you know, it's ideal, you know, we're talking about the ideal situation and we live in a time where integration is happening and some people just do letrozole or Clomid and they conceive, you know, with PCOS sometimes. But it, our goal is we want you to be at your peak fertility potential and that health blueprint of the child. And I like treating PCOS because we treat it well. That's why I like it, right? It's mm -hmm. something that uh, most cases I feel pretty confident about. And same thing in the in the uh, IVF world. They feel pretty confident either through their ovulation drugs or IVF, they'll probably get you there. We don't get the easy cases, right? Like this woman had been through IVF, been mm -hmm. through electrozole, Clomid, um, and yet we were able to, to help her. Um, if you talk about ideal, time and money is not an issue. 
yeah, diet, lifestyle, acupuncture, laser, supplements, all that stuff you can do, right? Um, and some people, they don't have access to this, or some people also just the timing based on their scenario need to go into um, um, more uh, aggressive interventions. Mm -hmm. um, but I do, I hear what you're saying, and I'm agreeing with that. It'd be nice if people had more of the wellness part of the treatment because it's it's under underutilized for a lot of people, just the diet part, because yeah. it's not super expensive. It doesn't have fancy bells and whistles to mm -hmm. just change your diet and, and movement and working on your sleep and working on stress reduction. That's why I created the Conscious Fertility Podcast to kind of inspire people to help them work on their mindset and on the emotional side, because mm -hmm. that can impact your gene expression and your health as well. Um, and we live in a time where people can not all, but a, there's a lot of stuff that people can access. And remember, I started in 2000 and in 2002, a lot with fertility. The clinics were telling people not to do acupuncture. The clinics were people saying, don't take coenzyme Q10. Now the IVF clinics sell coenzyme Q10. Now most of them have acupunctures that come on site for them. So in at the time of this recording, it's a much in, more integrated, um, better patient-centered environment than it was in 2002, for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. For sure. And much more well accepted too, obviously, from what you were saying. And to kind of go back to um, when you were explaining about the seed and not really seeing, you know, anything sprouting or the fruits and flowers. Um, one thing to consider and think about, obviously, it can be hard to be patient and to wait because we live in a pretty instant gratification world and in time. But if you think about the amount of time it took for that dis-ease to really kind of take place in your body, whether it's, you know, gut imbalance, hormonal imbalance, whatever it may be, it's going to take some time to be able to kind of recover that vitality and that wellness back in, in your peak fertility as well. And, you know, relatively, it's not a long time. It seems like it because when people see you or see me, they wanted to be pregnant a long time ago, right? However, this dis-ease, this imbalance that they're seeing in their body has been decades in the making. Mm -hmm. And we're saying three to six months, mm -hmm. right? So really it's not a long time. It just seems long time because of our frame of reference that we wanted mm -hmm. to be pregnant before. Yeah, I'm gonna, I share another story and I'll share my, um, <clears throat> what I call almost miracle stories, but this is the mind body part because being in practice now 23 years and over 20 of it being related to reproductive health, I've come to understand and appreciate our mental health and our spiritual well-being and how much this can impact our fertility. And we do now know in the West, the science, psychoneuroimmunology, that your thoughts and your feelings do impact your immune system and your nervous system and your endocrine system. Um, so it's not just um, woo-woo out there. We mm -hmm. know this. And I, we have a really nice episode with Alice Domar on our Conscious Fertility podcast talking about stress and fertility. We have over 50 episodes talking about the emotional well-being. This woman came to us in her mid-30s, um, diagnosed with premature ovarian insufficiency. So she wasn't ovulating, um, evidenced by her blood test. And... Um, she she came um, knowing this is that conscious spiritual side where she just knew she was going to have a child. Now, everything on paper said no. 
Her AMH was undetectable, antimalarian hormone. Her latest antifollicle count, um, they, they didn't see any follicles. She didn't respond to the Clomid or Letrozole, and she was no longer ovulating. So just so you know, for um, transparency and ethical, I said to her that, you know, on paper, it doesn't look like this can happen. And she was aware of that. Um, donor egg was not something that she was willing to do, or even IVF. It was, it was a natural or adoption. And she felt pretty confident she was going to be a mom. I've only seen about five cases like this where people, everybody wants a baby, but I mean, believed it in her heart. Mm. And she said, you're just going to help me get there. Um, and we did the low-level laser therapy twice a week. We did the acupuncture, the Chinese herbs, which also I think is underutilized Chinese herbs. And I did the conscious work that I do in my practice with her. And you, when we do the conscious work, this is really getting into um, on, on a subconscious level. So I'm not a therapist, a counselor. I'm not doing counseling. They, those are available through fertility clinics. This is really working on belief change work where I bring my background as a clinical hypnotherapist into this as well. Um, because when you lower the resistance, flow and receptivity happens in Chinese medicine. Flow and receptivity is necessary for fertility, but this also lowers all those st stress hormones in the body. Um, so there's a physical and then spiritual, which we won't talk about probably today. And we worked with her and like all women, I do my conscious work. The first two or three sessions was about fertility and the baby. Then after that, it was all about childhood stuff that came up, old trauma, whatever that they were healing. And she started ovulating again. Wow. And then her REI saw that and gave her some letrozole. <laughs> a couple, and then things got wonky again. And so we were treating her, again, twice a week. One of those weeks was conscious fertility session with Acculaser. The other one was just regular Acculaser, no conscious work. Um, herbs, supplements, diet. And, and she was great. She followed all the instructions, used the tools and techniques at home on the conscious side as well. And I invited her to take a break from the letrozole because we noticed that it was messing up her cycle. Like we'd get some good cycles, good lengths, and then she'd do the letrozole and it, things just, she didn't get pregnant and they kind of changed her cycle length. So for her specifically, uh, just thought, can we have three months of no medication? Mm -hmm. And so we treated her for nine months. I said, you know, three to six, that's why I thought of this. She came for nine months and she conceived naturally and had a baby girl. And mm -hmm. What I shared with her, this was the part that when she came in on paper, it did not look good. Mm -hmm. Donor egg was what she was um, advised. She didn't want to do it. Um, IVF, um, they didn't think it would work, but that was the only thing. If she's not going to do donor egg, they could try. And that wasn't an option for her. And I shared it with her. And this is what I want to share with your audience, that these cases like that are like buying the lotto ticket, which is what I said to her. When you buy the lotto, you hear on my websites all the winners I have. But for every winner, there are so many that did not win the lotto. Mm. But if you don't buy the lotto ticket, you can't win the lotto, right? So the question is, knowing the odds, do you want to buy this lotto ticket? Because the odds aren't great. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and we've had people that bought the lotto ticket. So we have stories like this woman where it doesn't make sense, um, but right. yet they were able to, to succeed. Our goal is that you're physically, mentally, emotionally good, whether you have baby or not. Our mm -hmm. goal is to make you on a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual level as vital and as healthy as possible. So if you have a baby, you're a healthy parent and your child has that good epigenetic health blueprint. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, yes, you'll be disappointed, but you're still better off physically, mentally for the work you've done. And mm -hmm. you'll be able to 
deal with the disappointment of not having a child and you're mentally, physically better. Nobody goes through an IVF cycle saying, it didn't work, but I feel better that I did it. It was worth the $10,000 plus dollars. Most people, when they see people like yourself, Katie, or myself, they have more energy, they sleep better, their skin's clearer, their bowels are regular, their temperatures are better. And obviously they disappointed if it doesn't work to give them a child. However, they're usually physically and mentally um, in a better place than when they started. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And I do like to remind my clients or community that it is more than just getting that positive pregnancy test. There is more to this. And I think at least from my experience with, you know, it took us 10 months to get pregnant. That was a very frustrating time because I wasn't receiving like any support or guidance from my doctors. But when I look back on it, if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be where I am right now today. So I do think it's also, you know, presented in front of us to learn and to grow and to, you know, it's kind of, it's a very transformative journey, right? Yeah, it's transformative. And I have such awe, as you probably do, like the growth that they have to, like the the stress, the trauma from the from the things that don't work you know, the miscarriages, the failed IVF implantation. So it is transformative growth. I, I wouldn't sign up for it. Like, but, but, but like you said, when you go through it, um, people do have tr transformative experiences and grow spiritually often from this. Mm -hmm. um, but for many people, it brings you to your knees. Um, yeah. and, it, and fertility, and I talk about this on the Conscious Fertility podcast with the expert guests that I have, yeah. um, fertility the fertility journey is your wake-up call. Some people get cancer. Some people have a financial bankruptcy. Some people have a divorce. And for the people I see, infertility. And it's your wake-up call. And then people go and grow personally, spiritually. Um, and if they, most of them have that transformation where they're grateful for the experience because of who they've become. Mm -hmm. But at the beginning and while you're in it, no, nobody's liking this process. <laughs> it's not yeah. while you're in it. It is not like I, I, the the wow or the awe that I have for these people and the perseverance and the endurance, what they go through. I'm just like wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's not a journey to take lightly for sure. Um, I think that that is a beautiful place to really kind of end. I know that you and I will probably be doing more podcasts on here because you have so much wisdom to offer more with the, the acupuncture, traditional Chinese medicine, and even more on the conscious fertility aspect. I'd love to dive into that with you on another episode because that is a place where I'm being drawn to more to serve and help and support my clients. So that's definitely something that I love and it's just so fascinating to me um you had mentioned you have a freebie for the audience i think it was an ebook yeah um, and some acubalance fertility recipes yeah we got three things we can can suggest one is where you're going with the conscious work um check out the conscious fertility podcast yeah. um and there's a couple with that name so the one with lauren brown and there's a link from my website as well to it um, if we want, we can put something in your show notes. And then we have um, on the AccuBalance website, we have two books. One is the AccuBalance Fertility Diet with recipes. And so, you remember I was sharing how people 
would lose weight without um, counting calories because um, I'm not a fan of counting calories. So that's available. And then another ebook on five ways to maximize your fertility. So those two ebooks are available when you go to our website um, and, uh, and also have a meditation for those that are into the conscious fertility side that I created that you can get from us as well. So go to the website. If you can't find it easily, just email us from the website and ask us. And there's multiple acubalances. We are the first. Um, mm. And it's acubalance.ca, C-A, because we're in Canada. So, and acubalance is spelled with one C. When I was an accountant, accounting is with two Cs, but acupuncture is with one C. Most people spell it with two. So it's acu1c, acubalance, and it's .ca. And then from the website, you can get the fertility diet, the ebook on five ways to maximize your fertility. And there should be links there to the Conscious Fertility Podcast as well. Beautiful. Yes. Be sure to check that out and the Conscious Fertility Podcast. I will be uh, a guest on there as well eventually. Um, So where um, are other places that the audience can connect with you? I know that you're active on Instagram as well. Yeah. So there's Lauren Brown official is my Instagram handle. We also have the AccuBalance website on Instagram. We also have um, the Conscious Fertility Podcast. But I think if you go to AccuBalance, there's some links up top where you can go to our Facebook and our Instagram. So there's lots of information there um, or Lauren Brown official on Instagram. And then my website has the video. So like Katie said, she's going to be on the Conscious Fertility Podcast. So you can listen to that on Spotify and Apple. But on laurenbrown.com, um, we put the YouTube video version up there as well. So you can find that at laurenbrown.com is also how you can find all the things that I'm involved in. Amazing. Yes. And I will have all of the links um, in the show notes as well. So do you have any final words you'd like to share? I, I think um, be kind to yourself. You know, um, this journey, when I do work with people, they start to feel that their bodies are failing them or there's fear, fear of a failure. Um, and they lose the kindness for themselves. So this requires you to be kind to yourself. And there are resources out there. Um, I think we're get more into the being and less into the doing. So there's there there is a cost benefit where you keep adding more supplements, more things. And I don't know if the benefits there. Um, and so find somebody that you trust, like Katie, a, a coach there that can work with you and guide you. And, um, and trust your, your, your gut, your intuition as well. I agree so much with that. So thank you so much, Dr. Lauren, for sharing your wisdom and your expertise and for really being a pioneer in the fertility space. Whoever is able to see you at your practice or even virtually, he does do virtual as well. They are so blessed to be able to have you and your practice as a resource. Right, thank you very much. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Rising into Mindful Motherhood podcast. If this episode resonated with you or gave you an aha moment, stop what you're doing right now and write a review. This simple act of kindness helps me get this podcast out to connect with as many women as I possibly can. I also have a special offer. If you send me a screenshot of your review, I will take $250 off one of my premium coaching containers. Let me know what resonated with you the most and why. So connect with me in my free Facebook community or tag me on Instagram. You'll find both listed below. Thanks again from the bottom of my heart for tuning into this episode and I'll see you next time.